Hello, and welcome to the Evolve and Elevate podcast. I am Jacob Fry, your show host and humble servant. I have an unwavering belief that no matter where you are, who you are, what you have, or what the story of your past may hold, you have the ability and inner strength to design and realize your best self tomorrow, if only you will put in the effort today. Welcome back to the Evolve and Elevate podcast, and thank you for coming back to continue the journey of silver linings, finding growth within dysfunction. This week, my heart goes out to those in the Ukraine fighting against the monstrosities being waged against their nation. I really, truly hope that the unnecessary invasion stops soon and that the saddening loss of precious life ceases. Open Doors and Dumb Kids Returning home, I went on a walk with SB to visit Buddy's house down the road. It was fall time, and living in a wooded area, leaves littered the ground, barraging our vision with reds, oranges, and browns. It was the perfect weather, no overcast, a light breeze, comfortable t-shirt weather. Walking up to the door, we knocked to get someone's attention. The door cracked open as if it had not been shut completely. We knocked again, calling our buddy's name. We felt we were close enough and had been welcomed in enough times to feel comfortable walking in. We walked around yelling names, but no one responded. No one was home, not even the dogs. We putzed around for a bit until we saw Buddy's gaming system. Buddy had a gaming system similar to the one SB's dad had bought him. Devious children we were, I 12, and SB a year older, we decided we would borrow a couple of games. We did, and I expected us to head home to play them, naturally returning them later on. But again, we were bored children. Buddy had shown us a gun his mom owned in the past. We found that gun and took it with us in the games. We didn't really know a single thing about firearms at the time. In hindsight, the way it was handled was completely unsafe. We had no business taking it nor taking the games. Karma would remind us very swiftly that ignorance is no excuse and intentions do not matter in the court of law. We hid the gun outside the house and went on to play games. The weekend passed and we never even touched the gun or really thought much about it. Heading into school Monday morning, the day began like any other school day. Breakfast, morning classes, lunch. But then I was called into the principal's office in the afternoon. Walking to the office, I saw SB sitting in another room with the police officer. My dad was in the office with another officer, and I immediately knew that we were caught red-handed. And some sort of combination of Buddy's parents filing a report and contacting our parents asking about games and a gun, the games were found in plain sight. The officers had no interest at all in the games. My heart was pounding, my preteen palms sweaty, I felt like my body had become a feather, and I would become unanchored and float away. The conversation was short and to the point. The officer stated SB had informed them of the firearm location, and they had officers searching for it. The principal inquired as to what would happen with us. The officer stated despite the attention, we had committed a burglary that included firearms. The firearms turned the crime into a situation that required we be detained for a hearing. Following confirmation that the weapon had been found, the officers gave me a moment with Dad and SB a moment with his mom before taking us to the station. We were both crying. We had never anticipated it going as far as it did. We were just going over to see our friend. Dad calmed me and looked me in the eyes. He told me that no matter what happened, he would always help me and love me. I stopped sobbing and hugged him. Well, I wanted nothing more than to go back in time and not have ever gone over to Buddy's. We had done what we did, and there was no stopping all-knowing karma from aligning our consequences with our actions. Silver Linings True friends and family will be there for you through the roughest of times. 
It's pointless not to accept the consequences of your actions. This is a very stoic-like mindset, but it eliminates unnecessary suffering around variables you simply cannot change or trios to roll out the way they did. Guilt is a universal feeling. Your body and mind give you a warning when you have or are doing something wrong. Sweaty palms and feeling light as a feather are signs. Follow your intuition when it comes to navigating morality. Wrapped in Chains SB and I were marched from school in handcuffs. The officers took us to the police station to wait for the juvenile detention center officers to pick us up. Assigning our cells, we were told to hang tight. As we waited in our lone cells, each minute felt like an hour. There were no clocks, and the cells were isolated with a little window in the entry door that permitted a small view of the mostly empty hallway. About 45 hours, actually minutes, but they felt like hours, later, we were buzzed from our cells and taken to a room at the end of the hall. We were placed in chairs and monitored by an officer as two large burly men wrapped in chains shuffled up the corridor. I had no idea what to expect. I was a 12-year-old kid that had never seen the inside of a jail cell. Not one from this perspective, anyway. My cousin and I had been picked up for curfew in the past, but sent home with parents by the time we had made it back to the police station. This was different. I wouldn't be back in my own bed anytime soon. The man threw the chains down on the table in front of us. He did not spare any dramatization whatsoever. He did not say anything to us, turning to the officer to confirm that we were his pickup. Once he had all the information he needed, he radioed and another large man carrying chains approached. They told us to stand, our hands behind us. They latched cuffs around our ankles and cuffed our wrists in front of us. The cuffs were extremely tight, on purpose I'm sure, and the ankle cuffs linked to our handcuffs by way of another chain. We were made to waddle like penguins through the building into a van with a juvenile detention sticker on the side. During the ride, very little was said, and none of it included SB or myself. SB was still emotionally scarred, with his face a pale red from tears chapping his cheeks. We were riding for about 45 minutes when the van pulled up to a barbed-wired fence. We heard a buzzing noise, and the gate opened as the van moved forward into the garage. The garage door closed behind us, and we were led into the detention center. Passing through several buzzing doors, we reached the receiving area. We had our mugshots taken, our fingerprints taken, we had to strip and put on detention garments. We found out quickly that the naked squat and cough is indeed a real requirement for those being contained. We were put into another set of isolation cells as the center team decided where to place us. We were given a meal in our cells, some sort of goulash with a slice of bread, corn, and a milk carton. In an isolation cell next to us, another kid was hitting his door and screaming obscenities. The correctional officers opened SB and I's cell after we had finished eating telling us to follow single file to our new living area. We began to walk across the facility. We passed numerous locked pods that housed other juvenile delinquents. As we came to our pod, we braced for impact. The officer opened the door, and we were given a, quote, grand tour, unquote, of our 20 by 20 recreational area, our assigned cells, and the shower area. The shower was as minimalistic as everything else. We were given a couple of squirts of soap and no washcloth with three to five minutes of water time. It was a rushed cleaning. Finding our cells, the lights were turned off. I did my best not to get stuck in my head, but with four walls, no lights, and a small door window, it was very easy to become anxious. The officers made their rounds every hour or so, checking on each cell. After a couple of checks, I finally fell asleep. Silver Linings 
When you recognize that worry will only make your situation more difficult to bear, you tend to drop the worry. Life in juvie. Because a firearm was stolen in our fiasco, the law required detainment until sentencing. On the third day in, we were taken back to the courthouse for a hearing. In our jumpsuits, ankle cuffs bonded to handcuffs, we were marched in front of the judge. Dad and SM were in the room behind us on a bench. Our public defender pleaded that we were first offending children and that I wasn't even a teenager yet. The judge considered the defendant's words and followed up with a swift decision. The judge questioned us briefly, seeking remorse, which was plentiful in our current state. The judge questioned our intention with taking the guns, and we had no honest answer to give the judge. The judge eventually came to the belief that we were just arrogant and ignorant, which were both true. The judge reminded me that had it been six months later in my life, I could have been arraigned as an adult and given a sentence that would haunt me my entire life. Ultimately, the judge delayed sentencing, pending a behavior report from the juvenile center in 30 days. Essentially, we would spend a month confined, and the correctional officer's report would more or less decide her fate. SM gasped at the thought of her son being in solitary confinement for a month. The few days inside had already taken its toll on them both, and I felt genuinely terrible for SB, who was taking the entire ordeal with extreme depression. We weren't given the opportunity to hug our parents, and we were taken back to the van, back to the facility, back to our pod, and back to our cells. Silver Linings Throughout this journey, we take many of the little things for granted. Once lost, previously taken for granted items become strongly desired. I never realized how much I valued embracing family until I wasn't able to do so. Best Behavior The next day we were given a rundown of what our next month would entail. We would have school courses during the daytime, we would be giving meals at the same time each day, and following lunch there would be a brief recess allowed in which we were permitted, quote, outdoors, unquote. The recess area was a small courtyard within the middle of the facility. It was an open concept, meaning no roof, with enough room for a couple of basketball hoops. We would be given access to a, quote, book trolley, unquote, once a week where we could get up to three books and swap them out the next week. On Sundays, a minister came. Once a day, there would be a pod meeting. Everyone in the pod would be given an assignment or asked a question to share with the rest of the group. If we behaved Monday through Friday, we were all allowed to watch a film on Saturday. Needless to say, knowing my behavior was the variable deciding my freedom after the month, I was permitted to watch that movie every Saturday. These 30 days taught me several life lessons that I sincerely believe I needed at the time. Without the experience, I am positive that I would have continued trekking through life without a care, without a mission, without deeper compassion for fellow human beings. Yes, I was concerned for my well-being. Yes, I wanted to be released and to see familiar faces. Yes, I was doing all I could to be the perfect inmate. However, through this journey of personal behavior correction, I found myself with a surreal understanding of other sufferings. I found that no matter who we are on the outside, on the inside, we face the same emotions, we seek the same love, and often the same desire to feel important to be someone. In our pod was a young kid. He couldn't have been more than nine years old. Growing up in the, quote, projects, unquote, of a modestly sized city, I was more than comfortable with friends of all shapes, sizes, and ethnicity. We became somewhat of friends during our time at the facility. During one of the group sessions, he mentioned an experience where his mom's boyfriend hit him, and I instantly felt empathy for him. His father was not in the picture, and he was raised by a single mother. His mother getting arrested, he became a ward of the state. No nine-year-old knows how to handle that. 
He ran away from his foster home and snuck into someone's home looking for something to take and something to eat. Ultimately, he was assigned time in juvie because of the breaking and entering. We never met again after our time there, but one thing always stuck with me. He remained hopeful, despite the struggle. He was confident he would be back home with his mom soon. I don't know where he is now, but I do truly hope he found his happiness. Silver Linings We each face similar trials. We each strive for happiness. Being able to put yourself in another's shoes opens an entirely new perspective of the world. If the world was on fire, would we work together to put it out, or would we still fight each other? Would we realize that we're all the same underneath our skin? It is so very important for our future generations that we conquer our perceived differences and unite for humanity. Books. I had never been one for reading at any point in my life prior to being put in juvie. During my time there, I became an addict. I was able to go on wonderful journeys of imagination each night in my cell. Under a very faint window light, I could read books for several hours until an officer would tap on the window and tell me to put it down. I read Moby Dick. I read Choose Your Own Adventure books, and I took it every direction possible. I found a passion for reading while in that cell that followed me long after leaving. There was one book that literally changed my approach to life, the Bible. I had never been religious, but Mom had always had a Bible with her. She would take us to church on occasion, but it was never much more than a sermon or two here and there. I was curious, and I found myself reading the entire Old Testament and many pages further. There was solace in reading through the construction of the ark. No idea what 300 cubits were at the time, but there was solace within it. And the turbulent times Moses spent in the wilderness. David downing a giant with a slingshot, the plagues, the commandments, and miraculous healings. During my time with the text, I absorbed many of the life lessons within. It wasn't like anything I had experienced before, using imagination to journey into the mind. Silver Linings Books can be a fantastic avenue for personal growth as well as an escape from the present moment. Freedom. It was our sentencing day. As we were heading to the van, SB in tow, I revisited the last month in my mind. I had truly behaved like a saint in all interactions, only speaking when spoken to. I had become somewhat fit, picking up the habit of doing push-ups each morning and each night. I had found a passion for reading and an interest in theology. I was beyond confident that the sentencing would turn out in our favor. My confidence was supported. The judge, impressed with our reports, issued us three months house arrest, 200 hours community service, and 18 months probation. Following this, if we completed it, the charge would be dropped in its entirety. Silver Linings Recognize that there are consequences for our actions. We should consider whether or not we are able to live with the consequence of the action before Taking the action. House arrest. School was just finishing for the summer, but prior to school finishing for the summer, SB and I were issued official expulsions from the public school we attended. We were criminals and would be an unacceptable nuance to other students. The school feared for the safety of others, as no one wanted gun thieves in their classrooms. There was little that we could do about the result, except accept our fate and begin our summer of house arrest. There was little to share from this time in my life, most days were spent in the same house, with the same people, and more often than not, the same routine. Silver Linings There will be times in our lives in which we will be unable to influence the outcome of an experience. We must accept these experiences and continue moving forward. And try to live by the three-foot rule. If it can't be touched, if it's not within three feet of our body, or we cannot influence it directly, accept that it is out of our control 
and move forward. Let's do some thought extension on topics. Accepting the consequences of our actions, good or bad, is to truly level up as a human being. It may be difficult to recognize that we, the individual, are 100% responsible for our life journey. Yes, some of us have more or less resources to start with. Some of us start with dysfunctions and some do not. But ultimately, we get to decide how we navigate the path laid out before us and we must learn to accept the consequences, good or bad, of the path we choose. Learning to let go or drop worthless worry is a game changer. It allows us to take energy that is being wasted and reroute it into something productive. As a human, I have noticed that it is extremely easy to get caught up in a worry loop in the mind and just bask in anxiety or depression. Try to recognize those moments of worthless worry and transform it into positive productivity. The three-foot rule is a big help in this mission. If it is not immediately within our physical domain or immediately able to be influenced in a better direction, it's probably best to let it go. Finally, read books, listen to audiobooks, or seek learning in general. There is nothing able to change our lives quite like opening our minds to new knowledge, new experiences, and new possibilities. This is Jake, signing off. And remember, when things are looking down, you always have the choice to stay up.